It can't be that time of the week again. It is. It's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Hellard. It's the podcast episode you've all been waiting for. He's back! <laughs> I'm alive! I'm alive! He's alive! You can believe it! Absolutely. Were you expecting I'd be dead or something? I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed, really, because the, the do better thing uh, would be to have yeah. not just spectacularly DNF'd, but to have, to have died <laughs> spectacularly in the process. And this would have either been yeah. our la- the last episode where I've gone, uh, you know, of course, you must have known this terrible thing happened in the desert. Um, so, you know, let's leave it as a tribute to this. Or I'd have done a sort of a Michael Aspel, this is your life type thing. Where I'll be interviewing members of your family and things and talking about oh. your legacy in a build up. Ratings would have gone through the roof. Well, well in a build up to introducing the next, the, my next co-presenter. <laughs> oh, who, who would it be? Oh, I don't know. Um, Justin Lee Collins? <laughs> He'd be well, good. He'd well, be good. Well, it couldn't. It couldn't be Howard Marks because he died while you were away. Oh, I know. I just oh, as I actually did, read his obituary today. As did Richard Marks and Pat O'Banton. <laughs> oh no! There's nothing worth living for. Was, Maybe was, I should have died in the desert. It was. It was. It was a bloodbath while you were away. <laughs> it was. It was a do badder. <laughs> just gone hit unhinged. It just was, went <laughs> off on one. <laughs> was it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is do-badding to the extreme. What they did is they made them run a circuit of Edinburgh Marathon while refusing to to give them water. Oh, my God. That's just reminding me. I've met um, this girl, Jen, who um, I stayed with before before the MDS. She went to university with the lawyers of the Edinburgh Marathon. (laughs) And, and I can't remember if she listened to the podcast or not, but I was explaining to her all the stuff. And she, she thought it was quite funny. And she, um, she thinks we should, she, we should get her to tell them about it. What do you reckon? Should, should we unleash hell? Let's unleash hell. Um, it depends. It depends, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how quickly we can become a limited company before we... Before we uh... Well, I haven't got any assets. <laughs> Well, that's not what I've heard on your <laughs> Tinder profile. Well, I mean, they can help. They can help get rid of some of those, but uh, <laughs> they do come back bigger. But um, now, so do you think I should have said? I mean, we could say that I died in the desert. We could say that I'm now my my brother, Damien, da- Damien Hellard. Dam- okay, right, so I interviewed Dad. So Damien, Damien. Um, of course, it's it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that he died in the yeah. desert. But it's yeah. good that you're that you're here. To um, to continue his legacy, um, can you just Absolutely. explain to me again that spectacular <laughs> death that, that he had? I, I don't I don't want to dwell on it in this sort of sort of. <laughs> it, it is it is a bit weird me asking you to describe the manner of his death, but but just again, give me a rundown of how he died. Was it was it a uh, a sandbar? I mean, especially gone wrong? As, I mean, especially as I mean, everyone's surely seen the, the headline news. Um, across the world, they've, they've read the article. So I, it was a combination. It was um, well, for one, he he tried to um, he tried to actually use a camel toe on a camel, <laughs> and boy, can those things kick! So that was one way. That was one way. If if you're if you're if you're listening to this without fully understanding, 
a camel toe. <laughs> We're talking about the camel toe, the product that David developed here. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be really <laughs> weird. Because this, this, this not only doesn't make a lot of sense, it's a horrible image. So we're talking about the camel toe product. <laughs> David or, a, or, a camel, or, or a camel spider. Have you heard of them? Camel spiders. Oh, right. Do they, are camel, they real? Do right, they exist? Camel spiders are like, um, like the Yeti or the abominable snowman or, or those panthers that keep seeing in Cornwall. Everyone talks about them. They always show, whenever they show anything about the MJs, they show pictures of them. Yeah. Everyone talks about them. Everyone talks about being bit and everything. But no one's actually seen one ever. So, it's, cause, cause, so we were told about these. Once we'd arrived, so no one had the internet, and there was there's there's no way of clarifying any of the facts, or even if it was true. But what well, actually, there's this guy that I love this guy. Um, got his name Lee, I think his name is Lee Stewart. Um, definitely Lee, legendary guy. I was, I was talking to him before we um we put our bags in, all of that, and he, he had a lot of stories already. But um, oh, in fact, so this guy, <laughs> this guy managed to put on weight. During the MDS. <laughs> how? how <when> I... <laughs> Which is incredible. Well, okay, when I've, when I've put on weight during races, it's because, because the food stations have so much food. What? Oh, how? What did he do? Did he just take a fridge with him? Well, he... I can't remember what his bag looked, because I was, I, was, I was stood next to him at check-in. I can't remember how much he had, but I think he was... He was an opportunist, to say the least. And I think he he's one of those people that he, he hates to see things you know, go to waste. So <laughs> when everyone's dumping their food, I think he was thinking, well, you know, I might need this. I might need this like five days in. So he said his backpack was getting heavier every day as he was just stockpiling <laughs> food just in case and then eating all this food as well. So, um, I mean, that is, that is a legendary performance. To finish with the amount of weight he must have had. That's, so he must have finished with food in his backpack still. He must have. He, he probably... See, I like to think that what he should... Because I was thinking if I went back, I'd set up... Uh, you know, in jail, you've got the guy who gets you stuff. Yeah. Um, like, you you want to be that guy at the MDS who's, who'll trade you like a, a pillow for three chocolate bars and you make money off everything or you give out massages. I, and... I, said, I said it turns into like a prison system, doesn't it? That's, I think we said yeah. that in the thing. You know, there's, there's all that dodgy dealing that goes on. See, yeah, I mean, he could, he, he could have set up shop and made a fortune because everyone carries 200 euros with them in case of... Actually, I don't know why. <laughs> How does that help you in any way? If you're in the middle of the desert in Morocco. Um, but, but still, everyone's got 200 euros on them. So you could, and most people have got either a 200 euro note, 200 euro notes, or 450s. Yeah. So you can only trade on you know, multiples of 50s. So you could clean up out there. But um, anyway, he, um, he said that on the first night, he saw a camel spider in their tent. Oh, God. And then they went, they were in, ah! And then it, it scuttled away, and then they couldn't find it. Oh. <laughs> so for the rest of the night, and I think even the next few nights, the whole of their tent were just bricking it. So that apparently, and I, I've not checked if this is true, because uh, I've only just remembered it now since we got back. So apparently, camel spiders, they crawl on you, and then they bite you, uh, anaesthetise you, so that you can't feel anything, and then eat your face off. <laughs> That's not so true. You wake, 
this is what this is what everyone's saying so you wake up with like half a face and you're like what the fuck I love that I love the fact that you couldn't check on the internet so people just started <laughs> making stuff up oh I think they go on your face and they plant something in your tummy and it bursts out of your stomach in the middle have, have I got that mixed up with something <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You didn't know. You didn't know. Any, you didn't know how true it was. But also, you'd be looking around to make sure there wasn't a camel spider's nest. But no one knew what that looked like. Was it a hole? Was it rocks? Were they just under sand? But you'd be looking around, going, "Yeah, it looks all right, guys. Yeah, I've scoured the area. We're good." But yeah. Clueless. Clueless. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I, uh, I totally forgot about the whole camel. It's one of those things that beforehand looms large. It, you know, they they yeah. normally talk about it beforehand. It's like on the on the jungle marathon, the one in the, the one in Brazil, um, yeah. which is only like months. They always talk about yeah jaguars. If you if you come across, you're running down a path, and you come across a jaguar, you are yeah. finished. There's not you're never going <laughs> to win a fight with a jaguar. Like no one's seen a jaguar for for like 20 years of doing it it's just one of those things <laughs> one of those things that are used to scare you well i think you've already got a venom pump on you so you've got to assume there's a reason for that and uh i assume scorpions but yeah it's, well, it's like when you're glastonbury well not anymore but before everyone had mobile reception and suddenly a rumor would go down that someone had died i think one year john prescott died supposedly <laughs> and, then the next year, and, and but because no one knows Suddenly everyone cares. Because if you knew John Prescott died, you'd be like, okay, whatever. Um, but then suddenly, like, is he dead? How do we find out? Oh, and then the one year was Michael Jackson died. And he had died, but the rumour a few years before was that he died. So no one had believed he'd died. But then you go to the bars and they'd be playing Michael Jackson music. And you think, wait, are they playing that because he's dead? Or are they in on the joke? Or is this a coincidence? And... It's the same. You spread a rumor while you're out there, it just it just spreads because there's no way that That's you can't amazing. communicate with anyone. That's amazing. Brilliant. That's amazing. That's just that's brilliant. Well, yeah. Let's okay. So um, I'm going to do something now, which is yeah. very undo badder. And, okay. And it's gonna, oh, wow. Uh, right. And uh, this isn't going to happen very often. But, um, <laughs> oh. but I just want to say, very well done. <laughs> thanks mate well done mate you have absolutely <laughs> oh. fucking killed it that was just incredible oh cheers man it was, I, yeah. it was it was really really enjoyable following you and I've got to say like the do-badders yeah their, their effort in in trying in following you and keeping up to date and you know have been proper eyes and ears well I still haven't a chance to go back through all of the Facebook and stuff and uh, you know I want to go back and, and message everyone individually you know proper fact but the messages while we're out there it was amazing we we had this well we started off with this <laughs> little tradition where we'd, we'd build a bit of a fire at night and then we'd read out the messages that people got but it became a bit embarrassing because I get st- so many from the do batters and everyone would read their messages and some people would write had written jokes or it'd be messages from the family really sweet and then i start reading out some of the do batter messages and everyone in the tent would look at me and be like who's who's andy parry's wife (laughs) (laughs) why is she not impressed with your high ranking and um and like all these I'd, i'd be pissing myself so after a while 
Um, everyone read out their messages, and then I just go to the corner and giggle at all the ones <laughs> I was getting from the do bad. It was amazing. So thank you so much, guys. It was it was it made such a difference, especially after day two when I was fucked. It made such a difference. It just really kept me positive and happy, and ah, oh, it made it made it such a good experience. Oh man, that's that's really good to know. Really good to know that those messages got through because we just worried whether whether they didn't or not. But the um the thing was tracking you was really yeah. difficult because these I mean it's like typical. Typical organisation that it all looks all in place, ready to go and stuff, and actually tracking you was, was yeah. really difficult. The um, oh, what a shame! No, no, no. There was it was fine in the end. We could get an indication, but the system looked brilliant. Yeah. It looked like it was tracking you individually. You were like dots on a map. But yeah, it, it, for some reason, it didn't allow you to pick you out. You had to individually click through all the dots to find you. Oh God! And you probably started at the back as well, didn't <laughs> you? Didn't you? Just, no, just because you find it, it funnier. It was, it was fortunate. So, so some people, some people, in order to find you, were clicking through every single dot. Unfortunately, because you were towards the front, oh it's a bit more God. spread out. But um, yeah, but the long day, you start at the back, don't you? Oh yeah. So you're coming through because we caught people after 10k. So you're coming through the field. So there's no way you could spot someone. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. The thing was, at the end, everyone gathers in, the, in that big, like, donut, because everyone's gone back to yeah. it. So everyone's we're looking at it going, are they having a big dance or something? Or randomly, <laughs> or randomly, someone will have a tracker, and they'll be off in a completely different direction, or in the, in the mountains or something. Um, really? Yeah, and there was one person who was, like, in Germany or something with the tracker on <laughs> What do you think they've gone all the way home with I it? I don't know. I was gonna I was gonna ask you, were there a couple of people that got lost or a couple of people that were like sent home early or, or something like that? Oh man, people were yeah, but some people didn't make it to checkpoint one on day one. Really? The, oh my it was I well, I say it was horrific this year. I think every year likes to think it's the worst or the, the toughest or yeah. but from from what people have said, it, it genuinely sounds like this year was the hardest year they've ever had because they, yeah. they made it longer yeah. they put in so much more sand apparently yeah. but then on day one and two headwinds the whole way and apparently it's so arid that it made it quite easy to run because you it just evaporated the whole yeah. time so it's cooling you quite a lot but people were oh man the number of people throwing up or dehydrating or passing out so there was a group of seven of them apparently on day one went into so it's 3k you run out, yeah. straight in the dunes, and then they got lost. And they were found huddling around one bottle of water at the bottom of one of the dunes, trying to get shade, and they'd press the the emergency come rescue me, the equivalent of the flare, because yeah. it is now all GPS. Oh, is and it they right? had to get, yeah, they had to come and get picked up before they'd reached their, but if you spent three grand, you've been training for, I don't know how long, a year, and then you make it, Four miles. There were a lot. Oh of, there were a lot of Brits who dropped out. A lot of Brits. Oh, yeah. It's but they, they they even extended the cutoff point, the cutoff time on day one by an hour and day two by an hour because they'd have had to cut a hundred people extra on the first day. Oh, really? They had it. Yeah, it was just brutal, brutal. Well, let's let's go back right to the start because I think that was it was really funny. But, um, well, I, I I laughed when I realised it was June day on day one because we were talking about it, weren't we? Um, oh yeah, you were one, saying whatever saying, happens. Whatever happens, make sure it's not June day on day one. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, let's go right back to the start. So back to like the um, the airport and um, when uh, when you actually started it. So, um, but the, the actually no, before that, I want to ask you, what was it like? Yeah. Oh, what was it? amazing, amazing, 
yeah, it's 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 properly special as events go. You can I, I was pretty skeptical going in, partly because you're like, yeah, it's a man. You know the way everyone talks, it, it, almost like Nam, like <laughs> you were there, man. You don't know what it's <laughs> yeah. like. It's so good, man. And but oh, I, you, I, and I went in thinking three grand's a lot of money, yeah. and um, and you know, an event's an event, and yeah, it's in the desert, but actually. It's just something about it. So many little bits of it. Uh, like uh, part of it is that it's 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 so French in so many ways. It is, isn't um, it? <laughs> oh my unapologetically, god! Unapologetically, unapologetically yeah. French. It's just like having France, French organisation, French stuff, but we're in the desert. It's, it's... and some of it doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. But then it's just. So, I mean, the fact that I think there's seven hundred volunteers there. Which is just incredible, and every, um, single, yeah, one was, of the, every single one of them a pretty lady. There were quite a few pretty <laughs> ladies. I've got to say, it does Absolutely. seem disproportionate, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's because um, you, anything at that stage looks looks attractive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. That you think that? Okay, so well, let's start. Let's start right at the start then. So yeah, so at the, so at the airport. So this, I mean, the airport. Um, I got there quite late on the the night before so I, I was lucky enough to stay with this this girl jen um yeah. who's whose friends are the the lawyers of the edinburgh marathon um but yeah we, <laughs> of all the people you can become acquaintances with that's amazing i know mate i can't i don't even know how it came up it was almost one of the first because we don't know each other that well we've just been messaging quite a bit because she she helps she's been helping people with answer questions and stuff um then we went straight down to the bar uh to the weatherspoons met these four irish guys who were amazing they they've been on it all afternoon they're like so the irish contingent all flew in the afternoon yeah. they've just been in the bar and they were one of the guys um i think he was taking 15 or 16 kilograms in his rucksack <laughs> which is there, I, is there an upper weight limit i'm sure there was isn't there i think there is yeah i think i'm not 100 sure though i did hear stories of people being sent like not being allowed to check in because it was too much, and and fifteen kilograms sounds all right. So, so, so for the listeners, they've done all these studies, and um, this this guy did quite an intensive survey of of, of everyone, the winners, the the people who bailed, everything that, and they found that the the people that did well, no matter, they all typically had two two thousand eight hundred calories, which comes out at about seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred grams. So you're going to have about four, five, six kilograms of food. Is, is what they recommend as optimal. And so this guy somehow has an extra 10 kilograms in there, which is amazing. Just, I mean, did, did you, was it, was that like, were the similar things when you were there? I don't recall anyone having, anyone taking too much. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I reckon, you know, it was pretty, the people in my tent, I would say I probably took most out of people in my tent. Because I, I, I had things like a pillow yeah. and stuff. And I'd, I'd brought too much. Yeah. I think it was normally around sort of ten kilos. That was that's the that was the sort of the normal one from anyone that I see. I, I don't think I don't ever think I saw anyone who had too much. Certainly, no one was turned away for having too much. Yeah, there were, I've, I heard of two or three people that were. I, I think typically army guys who are just used to carrying, you know, twenty kilograms, yeah. thirty kilograms, and they like their food. They. They, I, I guess in a way they know what works for them, yeah, exactly. but in completely different circumstances. 
um and and, and I'm, I'm sure if you've if you've been on the brecon beacons and you've been hiking um you know f- for weeks at a time and you're eating seven eight thousand calories then you probably you can't fathom what it'd be like to just have 2800 calories yeah so but yeah the um so we met with these guys and they were just such good fun so we had a few beers and just had a great time um then crashed out crashed out in the hotel um straight down in the morning and on the plane i can't even remember it everyone's quite excited everyone's in their kit yeah were you in your kit yeah well they they just recommend it i mean i i think i I had half my kit, so I wasn't wearing my um, sand, what they're called, like my gaiters, or, but I was wearing some of the kit with the rest in the bag. When you're wearing so your, I, uh, what's that thing you wear? Are you wearing it now? My dry robe. <laughs> your dry robe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Lake District and I walked past the shop and there was a dry robe in the window. <laughs> it made me oh, burst, out, I burst out laughing. <laughs> Oh, you should have bought it. Did it look amazingly snug? It did look snug, actually, yeah. You should have tried it on, man. You'd have fallen in love. You'd have fallen in love. No, I mean, I kind of I kind of viewed it as I was almost on duty for my for my sponsors. So I think I was wearing BMF top and then a Cliff Bar oh, hoodie okay. and, you know. Are you not just sponsored being... by Dry Robe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you are? Okay, wait. Yeah, but I, I mean, as much as I love Dry Robe, <laughs> I'm not fucking <laughs> taking a Dry Robe to the desert. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there are limits. No. I know. I thought it might have been your comforting thing when you come back that you'd have. You'd have. Oh, it would have been it, nice. It would almost actually. be there. You cross the line, and this dry rope just is lowered oh. onto you. And it, oh, that would have actually. It would have been nice the night before. Yeah, that would have been great. Actually, yeah. But um, it's 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 quite bulky to carry as well. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, uh, but yeah, then the flight. I I can't remember who I sat to. I sat next to, and I had we had our five tent mates sorted beforehand okay. well potentially six and then um a uh a maraid was was going to be coming as well um not maraid marina marina um so we potentially had seven eight of us but um yeah i got the flight out there got on the bus and um, did you go straight out into the desert you didn't stay at the hotel straight out straight, straight on out these the buses really? okay and you always hear different the, the, the thing is the stories you hear from people are are true of their year but i think a lot well a little bit's changed every year yeah so we've been told that whatever you do when you get off the bus just leg it to a tent and claim it yeah but actually they changed the system this year to try and be organized but they hadn't hadn't really thought it through <laughs> so well firstly on, when we were on the buses on the way there we were stopped by a student strike who then barricaded the road so only half the buses got through and i i was finding this hilarious because the french were getting really pissed off by uh by, by essentially strikers i was like well yeah fuck you france now you know what it's like huh uh, for us all our all our um all our lorries trying to get through calais when your uh your farmers are, are, are blocking the road so um but yeah, on the, they decided on the on the bus that you'd have to form your tent of eight from the people on that bus, which was a nightmare because we were lucky enough to have five of us on the bus. Yeah. But if you if you'd have been there were two two or three different planes, obviously your bags come off at different times, yeah. and so you might have gone as an eight, but for whatever circumstances, then just be split up in different buses, and you could even be brothers or family or whatever it is um and so 
they then force you to try and form these eights amongst the buses, which was a nightmare because you're sat in your seat next to probably one of your friends, but you don't know who's in groups of what. And so they're then trying to piecemeal these together. Um, so we, we, at the end of the six hour bus journey, um, which after an hour, we then stopped for lunch where we just sat on the side of the road for 40 minutes or so eating lunch. And everyone's thinking, can we just eat lunch in the bus and not have to wait an extra 40 minutes to get there? But anyway, it's the organisation for you. So we get there. <laughs> that just sounds just and, so typically French, isn't it? Loads of administration, absolutely no logic and, and, and no efficiency whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, completely. So, so we then get there and get out of the bus and we, we immediately start walking as our five. And then it, it, it does turn into a bit of a free-for-all. <laughs> we kind of grabbed a tent and um then we're turfed when they, they said go to this tent we went there then they turfed us out forces in with some three people we didn't know which you know wasn't the end of the world they seemed really nice so but my friend tony he went grabbed a tent they put their bags there the three or four of them they then went to get the other friends came back and all their bags had been thrown out of that tent <laughs> It is, so like to... it is like Glastonbury. It is like Glastonbury, isn't it? It's just a bun fight, but the we then so we then had the meal that night, which was amazing. It was really good food. It was um, kind of uh, local local cuisine. It was like a uh, you know a lamb lamb with couscous and it was really nice food. Really cool atmosphere everyone sat around on these little tables with the lights and you're excited you know some of the other groups you're kind of hanging out chatting to everyone looking around at who's there yeah. um checking danny yeah, kendall's not that's... there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where is he where, where is he <laughs> i'd love that that it started a rumor right? <laughs> like the, uh, the camel spider yeah danny kendall was in the tent over there <laughs> Oh, he'd have always been head as well, so I'd have never seen him. Um, yeah, and, and so, I mean, that was just really nice. You then we went to sleep, and you, you're in these. But for, for the for the for the listeners, try and Google the MDS tents and see what they're like. It, it, when you say tent, it's it's really just a piece of cloth held up by bits of wood. There's no guide ropes. There's no. Um, it, it's not closed. It's just two sides. It's almost like an A, yeah. an A-frame. Um, and so the first night, you've no idea what's going on, really. You've got a, a rug there. Um, everyone's brought lilos and blow-up beds. and So mine deflates within about an hour of sleeping, <laughs> um, sadly. And <laughs> you, you do hear that. It's, Why does it? Do <laughs> just, just, just every now and then you hear this... <laughs> and some other bed's gone down. Because you've all bought these crappy lilos that cost four quid. Because you know you're going to chuck them. Um, but then in the morning, we woke up and everyone's in their their country groupings. Yeah. So the typically the Brits take out the whole of the outer ring because the Brits are the biggest group. They're bigger than the French, uh, which surprised me. But this year, apparently of the 500 Brits that registered, only 400 turned up. And six people didn't show up. The day that they were meant to be coming, they just didn't show up at the airport. Really, it's crazy. That crazy I mean, that's twenty percent dropout rate from when you pay the remainders. You've paid your three grand. 
you've got your flights um and they just they just pull out um so steve the run ultra guy he, he he's saying he thinks everyone started training too early and too hard and just got injured um so yeah if you are if you're listening for next year my advice would be definitely do your ultras do an ultra in the summer do like a two-day ultra over the summer do one 50 miler um, and then just follow a marathon training plan to get you marathon fit for november and then start your training proper december um, before that and you just you're gonna weigh yourself out but um yeah, so we were on the outside, and they'd, because we weren't enough, there's also the Americans, the Irish um, on the edges. And we noticed in the middle, quite a, a couple of rows ahead of us, there were two completely empty tents. So we figured either an entire bus hasn't turned up, pretty unlikely, because all the flights would have been the, the day before. Yeah. Or, they're just, or they've done the grouping so efficiently that they've put into eights, all these countries and and so they're just spare tents so i said to our guys because having having been there for a day you realize it's one of those organizations where if you do something and then just confidently go yeah it's fine yeah yeah that's fine yeah yeah no one really knows what's going on and it just happens and people accept it so i was like guys just get in there so we we moved to this tent next to the checks and the poles um and you hand your bag in at midday with all your details, like your, your tent number. So we knew we could survive until midday. That was it for the week. <laughs> and so for, for the, all these officials kept on coming around and we just kept on just going, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you're not, you're English. How come you in this tent? Oh, they just said it made more sense for us to do this. They said we should do it. And they're like, Oh, right. Who said that? Oh, just one, like a guy in black. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and as long as you're confident, everyone's so busy and just trying to figure things out. So we then put our bags in and they didn't check anything. No. I, you just had to. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You no, didn't no, check the bags. No. Oh, I, when, I, when I did it, they didn't, they didn't check. They, all they did, they were interested in your, um, your ECG thing and that was about it. Yeah. So they checked that. They didn't. You weighed your own bag. Yeah. Then you told them how much your bag weighed. <laughs> and you told them how many calories you had. You told them what equipment you had, approximately. Um, but they didn't... They, yeah, I was, I was amazed after all the level of details. Um, I never got my bag checked. I'm sure if I had, they'd have... You know, I needed... I would have needed to have had everything there. But, essentially, you could... I, I mean, I, I was... I was just on six and a half kilograms just yeah you know, very much just and probably a bit over it just because i had water in my water bottles but um you could have easily have, have raced with less you could have had the 2000 calories the key I, I think you could do 2000 calories all the equipment and you could have been about five and a half kilograms and six and a half is the minimum so um yeah i was amazed by that but we the good thing was i know in previous years um my friend Claire, Claire Morrissey, legend. Two years ago, she massively dehydrated the day before because they were standing in the sun for three hours. And you've, you're, you're on limited water ration already. Yeah. So I, I made sure I had full bottles in my bag so that when I came out on the other end, we bought some water. And so I had about four litres of water in my bags going to the tent, going to the campsite. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you weren't prepared, you could have been on that bus, had... 
a bit of water and then you're dehydrating from the start. It's amazing, isn't it? It's just managing that, managing that bit. You know, you, you wouldn't think mm. it'd be an issue, but it, it really is. Yeah. 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 It's all about, actually half of this race is about planning and just management of your equipment and, uh, and your strategy. And if you get that right, you'll be fine. If you get that wrong, that's where the horror stories come in. But, um, yes, yeah, so we got this tent and then, the great thing was, there's the tent next to us was empty, and no one had seemed to um, to notice that. So, I kind of um, that night I was scoping it, thinking, "Ooh, right, there's no one there. No one's come for it. That means it's 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 free." So we then went and um, took the spare rug, and then all the extra bits of wood we nicked as well, and then collapsed the tent. So every time I finished, because I'd always, I'd always finish with, I mean, always high energy anyway. So I'd finish, instantly get, um, you know, either a cliff bar or goodness shakes for recovery. Yeah. Um, walk back. And let's see, you cross the line and they give you three bottles of water <laughs> that you then have to carry. It's just so frigging hard. They, you're knackered. Oh, see, do they still, uh, Sultan, do they still have that tea as well? So you can have a tea. Yeah. 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 You get a shot of tea. Yeah. It's the most pointless thing. <laughs> But I, I didn't simply come back and I go straight to my tent, dump my kit, steal the rug from next door, steal all their woods, and um, you'd have the the, uh, the Berbers, the locals, who'd be helping out with the tents. Yeah. And they'd be wandering around clueless. And because the tents are an A-frame, depending on where the wind is, you'd, you'd most of the time have, in the afternoon, really sandy winds. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to settle down at night. And so you need to collapse one side and completely change the, the structure of the tent. And it took us a while to do that. But to, to do that properly, you need heavy rocks to actually keep the material down. Um, and more sticks. You can then, want, with a rearranged tent, create more space yeah. by weighting it and then poking it poking up. So we stripped the woods from next door. They'd always have these huge rocks right in the middle of the circle where they'd used um, that as the build around this. So I come in, I steal all these big rocks. They then have firewood because they tend to have the same locations, I think, for where you stay um, each year or they rotate. So you'd then go out and you'd find previous fires. And just so I, by the time anyone else came in, I'd have stripped the whole campsite of all the wood, all the rocks. <laughs> we'd, get the bur- we'd get the Berbers... Uh, to be like, right, can you do this, do this, do this? And so, and Ali, my, my main rival, she, he'd just be lying in his ass like, yeah, I'm going to come and help you as soon as I've recovered. Yeah, and he never did. He'd just, he'd just lie there in bliss. So by the time the rest of my tent, mate, tent mates came in, we'd had the most kick-ass tent. No one ever knew we had two rugs. No one ever knew we had all this extra wood, these extra stones. And the great thing is, with two rugs and five people, I could then fold over the rugs at the end and get double rugs to lie on brilliant yeah that sounds that sounds, that sounds like you got it sorted absolutely well it is it's like being the in race, jail it, it, the, it's all... the race hasn't even started yet and you're 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 doing this so so quite then so um so you've had your stuff weighed and everything and then you're about to sell yeah. off what was what was that standing at the uh, the line for the first time it's pretty yeah it's pretty cool you so in the morning you wake up early so you go to bed at nine o'clock eight thirty when the light you know when the the sun goes down you're pretty excited you then you and, and i remembered that i had the biggest breakfast because you don't have to carry it 
And so a lot of people had their six, you know, got rid of their bags with all their food in and then had their six and a half kilogram bag. Whereas I had all of my food like for breakfast, for dinner, just stuff in my face as much as I could. Um, so actually, yeah, you, you end up, you, you start the race with less than six and a half kilograms because you've already had the breakfast. But they then make you stand in the the poles, you spell out. The oh, year, yeah, or they the, love that. Yeah, go over the helicopters. Oh. You've got these helicopters whirling around. Everyone's in their kit. The uh, the Berbers go around collapsing the tents while you're still in them. Yeah. So if you, the, a good thing to do is to get a tent halfway around the the uh, semicircle because they'll start on one side one day and start on the other the other day so if you're in the middle you always get longer to lie in which is quite nice and then then everyone's stood around and you're kind of eyeing each other up there's a lot of nerves you've got your water and we knew there was a 3k start out to the the dunes and then 12k of these jeans so you still get the road book and stuff so you had the road book with all the stuff so i said there was a lot of reading of that the, the you know before yeah. and looking on that first day this june's it's june day first day yeah and and the road book's pretty good it gives you it gives you a very a, a kind of sketch drawing of the route yeah. and then instructions of the the bearing and, and what you're going to get at each mile left at and, sand um, left at rocks yeah but the, I mean, the, the good thing was I, I knew you could plan ahead. So I knew that the dunes were going to be at a certain bearing. So you can set your compass to that bearing before you get there. And and every day you'd look and you think, right, all I need to remember those two numbers because first dunes is this degree, second dunes is that degree. So the start happened and it's pretty exciting. Everyone's bustling in. Um, you're looking around trying to figure out who's quick, who's not. Some guy was on the front start line with a bow and arrow that he was carrying around with him. So he then tries to get Barcelona <laughs> Olympic start. It flops about two metres and everyone starts cheering, <laughs> taking the piss out of him. And then they, there's a quite a long speech from Patrick yeah, that they then yeah. translate in English. He's dancing around. He's having the time. I like that guy. He's having the time yeah. of his life. And then they start singing Highway to Hell, yeah. playing that. Um, so... They say go, and you start. You know it's three k, so it's not. It's it's quite a nice distance to get across the, to the first dunes. Everyone's excited, and I was running. I mean, I was I was right up in. I was probably in the top five at that point because I was running, thinking actually we are going pretty slow, given the dunes are coming, given that we're going to be going slower there, and so we're maybe doing eight thirties, something like that. And, but everyone, everyone's so excited. And I was looking around, and there were people there who shouldn't have been there at all. Um, <laughs> and they know that, you know that, but I had to, just people get caught up in it. So we hit the dunes, and oh my god, that's when I, I, I couldn't tell if my legs were tired from because I'd only done a two-week taper, which is pretty aggressive. I normally do three. Um, so I hit the dunes, and was suddenly like. Oh wow! This this is hard. This is really so. I couldn't tell if it was just dunes are that hard, or because I was knackered. But I was running along, and I suddenly realised, and and people were kind of edging ahead of me, and I, I was looking around, and I suddenly thought, shit, no one hears Moroccan. 
where the hell are the Moroccans? And oh, I'd heard yeah. the rumors, you know, from, from Danny about them breaking away. And I'd heard rumors from other people. And Jen had said the same thing. So I started looking around. There's this Norwegian guy who's uh, really quick, really good runner. Um, and he sees me kind of with a slight, not, not quite panic, but kind of like, oh, shit. So he starts doing that. And then suddenly to the left, you see these four Moroccans in perfect formation just trotting along some other dune. And, uh, and so we then, we don't even go the, the, the best route. Not, we just like straight direct arrow to where they are. So half the group then just tears down this dune and like, oh shit, the Moroccans are there. That means we must be there. So we're tearing there. Some other people haven't noticed everyone tearing off. So they go off their own direction. And that's when having the bearing was so useful because you know you always know approximately where you're going and because dunes by their nature peaks and troughs you always have to make a choice am i going left am i going right and they always take you slightly different route and they're bloody hard aren't they (laughs) i just it's it's one of those things where you think who would choose this as a part of a a race it's just it's so ridiculous I mean, you, you see the Moroccans, they, they basically trip along these, like, up and down these dunes because they're so tiny yeah. and they're so light and everything, and they've used to be it. But as, a, as an obstacle in a race, it, it's not, as a, as a terrain for, what is it, 10 kilometres, yeah. 12 kilometres, something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. And like you say, it, it isn't just a case of just running up and down in a straight line. It's, in order to get the maximum efficiency, you have to, well, do we run along the top of the dune, which then takes yeah. you up in this direction, so I draw you along further. And there's that still that element of, like you say, keeping a bearing to making sure you're going in the right direction. So, but you learn, you learn so much about. So you, if I, I, I was quickly trying to figure out because I realised actually that quite quickly and even on day one that it's all about the effort of each step because you could end up spending fifty percent more effort on a step than someone next to you with every single step um and some of the dunes for example if the wind was coming from the right the chances are it was going to be soft sand soft sand on the right and then harder sand on the left and if you can try and be on harder sand there's a chance you might be able to run on it in a way that you don't break the surface yeah that's it because like sinking sinking is the issue isn't it sinking into the sand so if you're because i was thinking right you're you're light aren't you so and I, I, you yeah. know, when I ran out, I struggled with the fact that I had to wait. So you just sink deep, deep into it. You think there's yeah. no way, there's no way to do that. So like the Moroccans and you know the um, Tunisian stuff, they're just skipping over it like it's like it's you yeah. know they're, they're not breaking ice or anything. So I'm wondering whether you know whether that was the, how it worked with you. Were you able to actually run for? Any Sometimes, period? but the the thing is when you when you're going up a dune, you unless it's really stiff and really hard you want to be in someone else's tracks because they've almost created they've compacted it they've almost created a stair for you but at other times you don't want to be on anyone else's tracks because they've broken that surface tension and you're just sinking 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 so you constantly with every single dune then looking at the next few thinking right what's my approximate direction which one have got tracks are you looking at the tracks to see who's sunk in in which area so therefore which one is going to be better but so you're doing all of that and i was being overtaken by a lot of people because i just thought my, my plan was actually 
to, to have almost a level of intensity where if I was if it was becoming higher than a certain level of effort, then I'd walk or I'd speed walk or I'd slow down. You know, I'd, I'd never get above the effort because it's just too hard to tell what was sapping, what wasn't. So a lot of the dunes I'd be kind of speed walking. And then th- and this is where my rival appeared, one of them. So there was this guy called um, Greg Dunn. Greg Dunn. And he was he was mentioned a year ago or so. I think by Ian Corliss as one to watch from from the Brits and Speedy Greg Speedy Greg yeah we know him we knew him well so he'd he'd asked to have his times removed from Power of Ten and from the Run Britain rankings so that if we tried to research him we wouldn't find out his speed nice so he'd done all of this and unfortunately I think his his girlfriend's friend was friends with a guy who worked with Ali, who was in our tent, who was also very good runner. He was number two Brit overall in the yeah. end. Um, so he'd found out about this. And so he'd been telling us. And it then turns out that he'd run in the Pilgrim, oh, right, in the Pilgrim okay. Challenge, under a pseudonym. Oh. Called Guy. So we had other information. So we, we knew he'd been desperately trying to hide how quick he was and we didn't know how quick he was because we only found this out later we had no way of researching him but we because we knew that he was he thought he obviously had the upper hand i I love playing all these mind games and in my mind you want to run your own race and if they're thinking about you they're not running their race they're having to change their strategy and that means they're not doing their optimal strategy for them so i knew if i could mess with him and uh and just get in his head, he'd then have to like change everything. So he, he comes up running behind me um, and just goes, Oh, hey, David, how are you doing? Because uh, you got your names on your back. And I saw him, I saw it said Greg. And I went, Oh, I'm, I'm great, thanks, I'm great. Um, how are you? Uh, and he's like, Yeah, good, good, good. He was trying to be really chatty. And he's like, So where are you from? I was like, Oh, I'm f- up in Frisbee in London. How about yourself? He goes, New Cross. And that's when I thought, Right, this is it. I went, Oh, you're from New Cross? are you Chris Dunn? And he went, uh, no, no, Greg Dunn. I went, oh yeah, that's right, sorry. Oh, Greg, Greg Dunn, great to finally meet you. And so in that one sentence, I'd implied I knew him so well that I knew he was from New Cross. And he just, he just kind of had this look of, oh shit, how does he know everything about me? And I, and I was thinking, in his mind, he must have been thinking, I've gone to so much, so much work to get all of my times removed to get everything erased and within two minutes of meeting this guy i found out he knows everything about me so he was a bit flustered and then he pushed on he, he pushed ahead and i thought fair enough he's what? he might be quicker than me why did you call him chris dunn then well you know it's, it's like when someone's your ex-girlfriend <laughs> your, your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend oh, you yeah. always call them by the slightly wrong name oh i see i see yeah just because it's always <laughs> slightly grating, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I like that. If I called you Jody every time I met you, you'd be like, it's Jody. Yeah, okay, JT. No, it's Jody. It just really gets under yeah. skin. So um, oh, I was just trying that, to be... It's that, that's a really smart move. Like, uh, well, you, Apparently, that's a quite... Because I was thinking, you know, you, you must have an idea before you race who your competitor's going to be. But surely yeah. you'll know that because you'll see that they'll either be at these things like the Pilgrims, the things that the MDS people usually go on. And, you know, people that are good tend to get mentioned here and there. So I, I, I yeah. do the same thing. I, 
I do a lot of races under a pseudonym, but that's pure. <laughs> that's, what, what are you laughing at? That's pure. <laughs> what, what's, what are you, your what are you what's your pseudonym? I can't. I can't tell you, but um, it, that's purely. <laughs> that's purely because I don't want to be pelt. Pelted with milkshakes. That's that's the only reason. It's nothing to do with yeah. speed. <laughs> they, so they expect you to come out and win, and then they're like, "Whoa, you came like nine hundredth. I didn't expect that. You got me there, buddy. You pulled me there." Yeah, it's clever. It's clever. Yeah, no, well, that, that's it. I'm there. I'm there to 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 mess with their heads in a different way. <laughs> I've won if I'd known that they've suffered. But yeah, they they all t- he kind of he overtook me, and I just I just thought let him go. I'm not racing now. I'm 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 doing this at my own effort. Um, and I, and also in my head I always had hit the flats. That's what we motor, you know, play to your strength. So he but then within about another three miles of June, he then came back and I just caught him up. And I'm not sure if it's because I was running better or he looked a little bit tired. I don't know if he'd started too hard, but. A lot of people were, wet, were withering in the sun. Oh, I was amazed. Off. The first day, that sun, those dunes, heavy packs, not done, you know, no, no acclimatisation to running in the desert. You know, they don't, you still yeah. haven't got the lay of the land properly. Oh, it's yeah. just, it must, it's one of those things where it just must have hit people like, shit. Yeah. This. And then, and, and we came out of the sand, so it's, it's quite a long, and do you know, do you know when you're always looking for little victories? So we came out of the sand, um, so suddenly everyone's thinking, sweet, time to run. Came out of the dunes, and it's sandy. <laughs> hardly run on this stuff. It's like the next, the next eight miles are just sand. Oh, really? And you're thinking, fuck, is this going to be, is this the MDS, just unrunnable from start to finish? And um, so we, we then came up to the first checkpoint, and there was this house that everyone was kind of running around. And I just thought, sod it, racing line. Um, did a little bit of a hurdle over this fence. Another hurdle over another fence. Um, came out, just overtook two people just with that. And just small things like that, where those two people would have been like, oh, fuck's sake, I've just gone all the way around and this guy just did that. <laughs> and, and it's just so nice when you're like, yeah, in your face. Um, so you come to the first checkpoint and you get two bottles of water. Mm. And you think, what, what am I going to do with that? I can only carry one bottle of water in my bottles. It's the and if you take if you take a, a, a liter and a half bottle with you, you've got to carry it the whole way. Oh, you're yeah. not allowed to dump stuff. That's it. I think we, we didn't mention actually in previous one that they they put your number on it, don't they? So if you dump it, yeah. and then when they collect it, then you get penalised. So then you think, oh shit, do I need to drink three liters? Yeah. Or am I all right with my one and a half? Or should I neck half of it now? Or should I just carry it really awkwardly yeah, for ten k? You don't know. You, that's it. When you're given the water, you don't know. You think, well, should I? Sh- yeah, should I drink it? Am I? Am I being stupid by by like turning it down? Yeah. And then they they tell you you've got your salt tablets they've given you, and they're quite clear. Two tablets per bottle. So what happens if you only have one bottle? Do you just have two, <laughs> or do you have yeah. four? Yeah. I, and I still don't know the rule to this day. I don't know. I didn't. I gave up it. Taking those salt tablets. I just. I don't know. And I, the people that have problems is because they didn't take the salt tablets. Oh really? Big, yeah. The people that were being sick and the people that were dehydrating. It was always the salt tablets. Really? Always, always. That's the one thing. So I mean, I, I, and I ended up because a few times I'd run. And I, like the first couple of days, this, this is what did me on the second day, is when I, tr- I just 
a net about a litre of water coming up to and then leaving the checkpoint. And then I, I was so full. I couldn't run that well. But then I just didn't drink for, for so long because I was so full. Um, and I was just, it just ruined me from then on. And actually, I, I realised I, I didn't need more than the water I was carrying. You know, I'd, I'd finished my litre and a half between checkpoints and just get a litre and a half and maybe a little bit more if I needed. Um, but yeah, we, we came out of that. So I'd, I'd, I'd tried to net quite a bit. And, and the wind was in your face. It's really strong winds day one and day two. Always headwinds. You're on this sand. And that was really tough mentally because you, you then ran for the next God knows how many miles where this is the point that I thought, right, time to motor. This is where I show them what I've got. And you're like, fuck, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> and, and people are walking at that stage. People in the top... 25 are walking. I, I was going to say to you, I, um, I, I, I didn't think about this uh, when you were talking about running and stuff, that for you, walking is almost like failure. Mm. And it, mm. like when you think, I'm walking, I'm going to get left behind. I think it's almost like failure to you. So when It's fear, fear. Yeah. And so, um, and actually, it's a race where everybody has to walk. Everyone yeah. has to walk at some point. You know, the elite, yeah. everyone. But it's just, I, I imagine mentally for you, you know, and, and the way that you know, fear with with the walk and everything, that must be, that's that's got to be tough, especially on the first day. Yeah, big time. But and then, but then I passed a Moroccan who was walking, and he was. I mean, I was. Run, <laughs> was I did run. Yeah, he was. He was just out doing his shopping. He was there. But the, but I. I mean, I ran on the soft sand because it? it was it was just about enough that I could run. And so, and it was quite nice because I was the whole of day one from the dunes. I was, in fact, from halfway through the dunes, I was just overtaking people. Yeah. And that was great. That felt brilliant. But that Moroccan passed out later when I, after I passed him. Oh, really? Uh, and my tent mate said he, he went past and this guy was collapsed on the ground. And you hear stories like that and you're thinking, what the fuck? If, if Moroccans who live here, who know this race, you know, this is, it's, it's a race that, is probably the biggest sporting event in Morocco. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They, it's the biggest thing in Morocco in terms of sport, definitely. And so to have a Moroccan passing out on day one, what the fuck? What, what, what kind of chance do we stand? But, so, uh, but uh, ah, wait a minute. Well, you don't know who this Moroccan was. Maybe he was trying to do the equivalent of what you did at the London Marathon. You wanted to lead with the first <laughs> 600 metres. He wanted to lead David Hellard <laughs> for the first what, 20k or whatever. So that was that might have been his aim. He might have succeeded. Yeah, he might. It's true. It's true. He's on. He's on YouTube. He's a YouTube star in Morocco now. <laughs> yeah. And he could be because they've got drones. They've got helicopters recording the front. So he oh, might have yeah. been on there the whole time. I mean, the the level of. Um, of footage is, is incredible given but, that you probably see nothing at home but no, that's amazing the amount of footage and the amount that they they film people in the photography and stuff yet yeah, try and spot a brit in any of it <laughs> <laughs> hello and sorry to stop you there but this is the first part of a two-part episode um if you want to be notified when the next part is available on itunes and stitcher and other applications then be sure to subscribe and we'll see you next time